biology. 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 Hello and welcome back to the HSC Biology Podcast. On our last episode, we spoke about uh, how important it is for genetic material to be replicated exactly, but more specifically, we looked at mitosis and the DNA replication using the Watson and Crick model, specifically looking at the nucleotide composition, pairing and bonding. Today, we're going to continue that inquiry question on the importance of the exact replication of genetic material, which is the inquiry question. And we're going to specifically look at the dot point that says assess the effect of the cell replication process on the continuity of a species. So basically what this dot point means is why is it important that we replicate exactly? What is it about the processes that is so important? And what are the effects if things don't happen correctly? And so we can talk about a few things here. Firstly, the idea that all of our genes code for very specific things in our body is very important. If our genes aren't our genes, if they're not the exact same, we're not going to produce the things that we need. Now, when we talk about replicating cells, um, we need that for growth and repair. And to grow and get bigger, we obviously need to replicate those cells. And if we had no copying mechanism, we wouldn't grow and we wouldn't repair. So first of all, for, for importance, it, uh, it's obviously clearly important to grow and reproduce cells um, so that we can continue to live and function. If, say, you get uh, a cut or anything like that, you want to replace those cells and you need the instructions in your genes to tell your body to make more of those cells that we need. Um, a second factor is the fact that we need to pass on favorable genes. And so if our species is to survive, the survival of the fittest, those that are capable of continuing to pass their genes on, they need to have genes which are robust and able to be passed on. So favorable genes in our DNA are obviously a good reason to um, have cell replication processes. We want to replicate those positive genes. Next, we have gene expression. And so I spoke about the fact that we need to make things that are important for our body. Now, if we need more skin cells, those instructions are all loaded into our DNA. Now, in particular, which is what we're going to talk about next, we need to make specific proteins. And the process of polypeptide synthesis is based on accurate DNA. If we don't have accurate DNA, we can't make the correct protein and therefore we're not going to be able to function. So if we have an issue with the production of, say, hemoglobin, which is made up of uh, a number of polypeptides, that's going to cause some malfunction in our red blood cells and therefore our distribution of oxygen. So having that correct sequence of genes that code for specific polypeptides, which we're going to talk about next, is obviously, again, very important for the continuation of a species. We want to make things that allow us to continue to survive. Now, with this, it is also very important that we maintain some sort of genetic stability. And that means that we need to have some level of stability where our genes aren't changing so much that we are being negatively affected. But that's not to say that we can't have some level of variation. And so the effect of cell replication processes 
means that we have some scope for mutation and variation. And those things are important in a population. Without variation, we don't have change. We don't have adaptations to changes in the environment. And so we need to make sure that although our cells do replicate correctly, it's not perfectly important to replicate everything correctly all the time. Some mutations can be positive, and the sources of all new alleles in a population is indeed mutation. And so although the process is important, if we're assessing it here, there are some limits as to replicating our cells or our DNA exactly. We don't necessarily need to do it all the time 100%. There may be some benefit in passing on or um, having a mutation that occurs that gives us a beneficial mutation. And so that genetic stability and variation are both important in the continuity of a species. Now, when we talked about mitosis, mitosis is that process that I just spoke about before. It's involved in the growth of multicellular organisms, repairing damaged tissues. In asexual reproduction, there couldn't be any new species without the process of mitosis or binary fission. And as I said before, genetic stability is very important. In eukaryotes, we have a pretty high level of genetic stability, whereas in prokaryotes, the genetic stability is lower because they rely on mutations about 90 percent depending on what we're looking at uh, of their dna is indeed a coding dna which we will talk about a little bit later so they do have a high mutation rate um, but for eukaryotes it is pretty important that we do replicate our cells exactly in order to get the genetic stability that we need to survive and reproduce all right that's the end of the inquiry question on the continuity of a species. We're now moving on to the inquiry question, why is polypeptide synthesis important? And these dot points are certainly surrounding the skills content that you're going to get. It's a very common question to get a table um, and information on polypeptide synthesis and that entire process. So the first dot point here is construct appropriate representations to model and compare the forms in which DNA exists in eukaryotes and prokaryotes. And so let's start off with eukaryotic DNA. That's you. Thank you for that, soldier boy. Now, a eukaryote, if you remember from year 11, has a membrane-bound organelle, so, or membrane-bound organelles. So they have membranes around their organelles, which ensure uh, basically an added level of protection and uh, some more complex functions between them. Um, but when we're talking specifically about the DNA, in a eukaryote, it exists within the nucleus. And inside that nucleus, we can once again talk about what we spoke about last time on the podcast, which was the fact that DNA, that double helix strand with the phosphate sugar backbone and the bases on the inside, A, T, G, and C, is wrapped up very tightly around proteins called histones and condensed further into chromatin. And chromatin is how it usually exists in the cell, semi-condensed, not completely condensed, but then it can, it can condense further if it needs to during the processes of mitosis and meiosis where it forms that famous X pattern. And so we have the super condensed or super coiled uh, versions where everything is bunched up as closely as it can get and we see that X pattern. So eukaryotic DNA, 
The form in which it exists in a eukaryote is that it is chromatin, wrapped up DNA around histones and tightly packed together like a bunch of yo-yos all jammed together. And then when it condenses further, it's like those yo-yos wrapping in loops and loops and loops around until we get that chromosome structure. Now, it's also important to mention the fact that there is DNA outside of the nucleus that does exist within eukaryotes. Um, there are two other organelles which contain DNA, and they are the mitochondria and the chloroplast, which is found in plants. Now, the mitochondria, the site of respiration and the powerhouse of the cell, for all those meme lovers, uh, is the... Uh, slightly different DNA in that it is circular. It's not found in those condensed chromosomal structures. It's circular and it contains genes that come from the mother. <clears throat> and the reason for this is the mitochondria is provided by the first egg or, or the egg in which the sperm fertilized in the beginning. So because the egg relative to the sperm is very large, it contains all of the organelles that will be involved in the growing zygote uh, for the baby. Uh, so in the beginning, those uh, the DNA is mixed from mum and dad in the nucleus, but the mitochondrial DNA is provided by the mother. And this is pretty useful because we can actually use this to uh, trace human history, which is something that we can talk about a little bit later. And there was some recent studies this year um, that did show these connections, which is pretty cool. Now, the chloroplast also has circular DNA, um, but it is a little bit more complex, and I won't be going into that today, mainly because I don't know enough about it and don't want to attempt to explain it poorly. So, just to reiterate, the eukaryotes, which is like you and I, we are membrane-bound organelle individuals. Um, our DNA is usually found in our cells, uh, in our nucleus, and it is condensed, wrapped around proteins called histones, and those proteins are then... Uh, with the wrapped DNA are all then squished together in a, in a string-like fiber called chromatin. And then sometimes when we need it to, during mitosis or meiosis, it condenses further to form chromosomes. So that's the form of the DNA found in the nucleus. We have mitochondrial DNA, which is circular and is provided from the female or from the, from the woman. And we also have the chloroplast DNA found in plants which is also circular. All right, let's talk about prokaryotic DNA now. And prokaryotic DNA does also exist in a chromosomal structure, which is condensed, but there are a few differences here which are really important to remember. So with chromosome DNA in a prokaryote, remembering that prokaryote is a non-membrane-bound organelle uh, organism, so the DNA floats around in the cytoplasm within the um, bacteria or whichever prokaryote we're looking at, um, it also has a double-stranded molecule known as DNA and it contains the same ingredients, so phosphate sugar backbone and the bases on the inside A, T, G and C. However, it's not found in chromatin or looped around these proteins. It's actually found in a circular pattern. It's basically a circle, but it does get condensed into, as I said before, a chromosome. So it does condense up. It wraps up, but it wraps up around a central protein, this protein in the middle, 
where it kind of just all bunches together, like scrunches up. It's not really um, uniform in, in the way that we're used to seeing chromosomes. It's a lot more uh, random in its, in its scrunching and in, in its combination. But once again, it is condensed and super coiled. And you can think about it, it's not, it's not actually a helix in shape, the DNA. Um, it's like two strings being wrapped around each other. And um, depending on how super coiled it is, is, is how many sort of loops there are. But for everything you guys really need to know, it's that prokaryotic DNA is circular. Okay, it's circular. There are still it's still double stranded and contains all the same ingredients, but it's in a circle and it gets condensed into a central area called a nucleoid. Okay, a nucleoid, N-U-C-L-E-O-I-D. Okay. And that nucleoid in the middle of that nucleoid is a protein. And the protein um, is quite often referred to as a scaffold. But for the most part, think about it as just a big protein in the middle. The circular DNA condenses. It kind of all bunches up, scrunches together, and forms a nucleoid, just the place where the majority of that chromosome is found. Now, really important also in a prokaryote is a non-chromosomal DNA. So once again, non-chromosomal like the mitochondria and the chloroplast DNA. But in a prokaryote, it is known as a plasmid. Why this is so important is because we talk about using plasmids later to hijack the mechanisms of polypeptide synthesis in prokaryotes. So a plasmid is once again a circular piece of DNA. Okay, So it has the same ingredients, which is very important, but we can actually use that plasmid and cut out certain pieces and put in new pieces in order to get the bacteria to make us whatever it is that we need. So insulin is a great example of how we use this plasmid to make a useful product. And we do talk about this later, but I'll mention it now. Insulin used to be extracted from organs of dead animals. So it was produced um, through the liver and other processes in animals. Instead of doing that, we managed to insert a gene into the plasmid of bacteria, which then replicates the protein, insulin, over and over again until we get enough of it that we can extract it from the bacteria. Now, because bacteria are prokaryotes and divide asexually, they simply need a nutrient broth in order to grow and produce. So once we have enough bacteria producing enough of the necessary protein, in this case it is insulin, we can then extract that insulin. So these non-chromosomal rings of DNA called plasmids are very important um, and they do come up quite a bit later. So they're the two forms in which it exists in a prokaryote. We have the circular DNA condensed into a nucleoid um, found uh, wrapped around a protein in the middle. And we have non-chromosomal DNA called plasmids, which are rings or uh, are circular pieces of DNA in which we can code or recode and edit to add and remove genes that we need to. All right, so taking a look at the dot point itself, we're going to go through and just pick out the key words here because it is important and I can see them asking questions around this. The first part is construct appropriate representations to model and compare the forms in which DNA exists. So um, an appropriate representation would be the building of a model potentially and hopefully you guys got to do that um, at your school um, at our school, we use Play-Doh to build each section of the DNA. 
um, and you can also use different bits and pieces um, to represent chromosomes and genes, um, but you've got to make sure that you have an idea of what you use to build each part. Can't see them really asking you much about that, but you never know. The most important point here, I think, is the fact that it says compare the forms in which DNA exists in eukaryotes and prokaryotes. Now, compare as a verb means to show the similarities and differences. So what are the similarities here? Well, in both eukaryotes and prokaryotes, they contain DNA. In both eukaryotes and prokaryotes, the DNA is the same. It has both sugar phosphate backbones and the bases ATGC on the inside. What else is similar about them? We call the DNA in the nucleus a chromosome. They're both called chromosomes. Okay. Now, the other main part is that they are double-stranded. Both have two strands wrapped around each other. So there are similarities or our main similarities between them, at least three there. What are the differences? Well, in eukaryotes, they are found as a helical shape, and it's not a helix in a prokaryote. In a eukaryote, it's condensed into uh, the chromatin, okay, supercoiled around histones. In the prokaryotes, it's condensed into a nucleoid, and it's condensed around a central protein called a scaffold. So there's some differences there. And once again, the prokaryotic DNA itself is circular, and in the eukaryote, it's linear. It just goes up to one point and down to one point, and it's linear in nature. We could also look at the differences in the ring DNA that they both contain. So eukaryotes contain mitochondrial DNA, but that is a ring, that is a circle, and that is similar to the prokaryotic plasmids. They also have rings of DNA. Okay, um, So there are the similarities and differences between them. And a question in the HSC would most likely get you to put this information into a table. So that's a really good way to learn these two points. What are the similarities and differences between them? Because then you get to see all of the main parts of both prokaryotic and eukaryotic DNA. All right, so just a quick episode today. Um, and that's because the next episode, we are going to go into the process of polypeptide synthesis. And I think that's really important to have an episode on its own. Um, so I hope you enjoyed today's lesson. And yeah, be sure to uh, like, share and subscribe. All right, see you guys.